0: Welcome to the Men Made For More podcast, a show designed by men for men looking to get strong, feel confident, and live a high-performing life. As men, we face many challenges as we try and strive for a better life. You want to live a meaningful and confident life, but you don't know where to start. You've lost your physical and mental edge that's keeping you from living out your full potential. You're tired of talking about doing big things and you're ready to start living it. With the Men Made For More podcast, Our goal is to teach you how to strengthen your body, your mind, and your purpose, on your way to reaching your full potential. It's time to start living as the man you know you can be to help lift those up that matter the most in your life. Every week, we'll have a featured guest who will share valuable information and experience to give you actionable strategies you can apply to live as the man you were made to be. We'll draw on our guest's knowledge and experience. More importantly, we'll discuss how this applies to the common challenges and struggles of being a man in today's world. Our goal is to not only build strong men physically, but to help coach and develop strong friends, sons, brothers, fathers, business owners, and professionals in every area of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Pachkowski, proud husband, business owner, physical therapist, and strength coach with a passion for helping other men strengthen their body, their mind, and their purpose. Wherever you're at on your journey, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Now let's dive in to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. Hey guys, welcome and thanks for listening in to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. Really excited for this one. I have a very special guest on today. Uh, His name is As Aponte. As, I hope I said that right and they were coaching me on it, so I hope uh, I got it right. Those pronunciations, the last names are not always my strong suit, but I'm very excited to have As on here today. Uh, We're going to be talking all about why the lack of gradual progression in the fitness industry is causing so many problems and why the phrase, no pain, no gain needs to go. So for a little more about us and his background, from a young age, As's life has revolved around fitness. A martial artist since the age of 12, he became an assistant, assistant instructor at age 15. A year later, with the support of his teacher, us opened a pro bono martial arts school in his hometown of Puerto Rico, serving over 120 students weekly. In 1997, Oz joined the U.S. Army, where his leaders quickly identified his affinity for health and fitness, which led to numerous appointments as unit physical training guide. After leaving the military in 2004, it was a natural fit to continue on the path of physical training, which included dancing for a professional modern dance company in San Diego, California. OSS's credentials include RKC, CKFMS, Z Health Faces, Phases R, I, and T. Uh, Strong First Instructor, he certified SFG, SFG two and SFL. He has a bachelor's degree in accounting from San Diego State University. And by embracing a multidisciplinary approach to training, Asa's clients began seeing dynamic results, including increasing strength, flexibility, flexibility fewer injuries, and healthier movement patterns. Today, asco co owns Iron Core with his wife, Erica, and this year expanded their operation to the Oceanside area. Guys, we got a lot of good stuff coming your way. Just a few of the highlights to look forward to. Uh, The importance of focusing on the foundations before adding complexity. Why you should not let nearsightedness keep you from reaching your long-term goals. We'll talk about how to compete the right way. How to build your fitness without crushing yourself. And how to build mental toughness through discipline and consistency. So excited for this one. It's going to be a lot of good stuff coming your way. And excited for you to learn some key things to improving your fitness and especially the mental side of things. That's something where we're lacking and that's something we're going to really dive into here today and how to do that the right way. So excited for this one, guys. Let's get started. All right. uh, So welcome to the Men Made For More podcast. Really stoked to have you on here. I know we did an Instagram live way back when I was doing those and uh, stoked to have this one live on a little longer and, and get out in the podcast world.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. I've been looking forward to talking to you again since we did that first one and super excited today.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I know this one will be another good one. So I want to want to pass it back to you, just for the listeners that are not familiar with your story, uh, giving an overview of yourself personally and professionally.
1: Absolutely. So uh, you know, I'm, I've been in San Diego for my entire adult life. That's from 21 until now. I'm 43 now. But um, you know, I grew up in Puerto Rico. Like I didn't grow up here. And uh, I, life out there is all different. You know, like we didn't have a car. You know, so everywhere we you go, you had to walk. If you wanted to do something fun, you go out to the river, you have to hike a few miles there, a few miles back. So, you know, whatever you, and it's really hot. So, you take your shirt off a lot. So, whatever you're doing, you know, you gotta kind of look the part and be the part because you have to either perform well or you gotta look good. Um, and, and so, from a very young age, I was always like climbing trees, and, you know, most of our games involved some kind of running and tagging each other and like, oh, yeah, go here, go there, jumping fences run away from animals and bulls in the country, you know, because I lived up in the mountains. um, So, you know, it wasn't like a coastal beach area. But even my friends that grew up in the coast, you know, they're surfing, they're body uh, surfing or something like that. Boogie boarding back then was very popular. I remember that. And so everywhere that you go, it's it's a lot of fitness all around because, you know, we didn't have like, you know, we didn't have the the Game Boys yet, you know, when when I was at that age and stuff like that really no computers, you know, until I went into the military. That's the first time I started using computers legit. Um, So there were no electronic devices. My life was really just about being out in nature, enjoying myself with my friends and being able to be fit enough to enjoy that and not feel like a wreck the next day. Um, And uh, very, very quickly, I started to learn that I really loved movement in in a way that was different from most people. So when I got involved with skateboarding around like seven or eight years old, um, You know, I remember watching all the great skaters, like doing this amazing things on TV, you know, some of the films that VHS tapes that we could get, you know, Um, and they just look really stylish doing it. And so I started to put together that a lot of the people that I admired, they moved in a way that was very beautiful and stylish and it looked effortless. And why that I didn't know that at the time, this will become a very important concept of my philosophy later on. And and so just I'm putting that out there so you guys can like kind of see that the journey, And then from there, I went into martial arts. And that's when things started to really click for me in terms of like, you know, some of my friends are gravitating towards like, oh, you know, have you ever done like a bench press or they're they're having this more traditional conventional way about going about becoming a fit teenager. And I'm thinking more in terms of like, I want to learn this Kung Fu set or that kick that I can't do. How do I figure out that kick? How do I figure out this move? And so it goes like that. And then I start boxing. And when I go to boxing, I start to figure out that I already had a lot of like skill, but where it comes from, I never boxed before. How did this come into play? So again, these are all things that I didn't realize at the time, but now they're a very important part of my whole system. And then for martial arts, uh, I'm doing wrestling. And again, I go into wrestling and learning wrestling in those first three months, right? You don't learn wrestling in the first three months, but the basics of it right what you need that you will perfect for the rest of the time that you practice quickly absorb it so every time i learn something new it seemed like i had like this stock of knowledge somewhere that i could call upon to learn the new thing right and that's when that whole thing about movement vocabulary started which is very much an integral part of me as a professional and the way that i teach and i conduct my my sessions and my training and all that um and then from there, you know, I went on to really live the the, the the real personal stuff, you know, joining the military, getting stationed in San Diego out of my first duty station, which is fantastic. You know, being in the military, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but uh, it gave me a lot of experience in training people individually and trying to, you know, really address what their the obstacles and their limitations were, you know. Um, and again, I'll get more detail about that, but that's when I started more focusing from you know, learning and absorbing and filling up my glass and then starting to share a little bit of that with other people that needed my help. Maybe they needed to lose weight. Maybe they couldn't pass their two mile run, you know, or maybe they couldn't pass their push-up test, whatever it was. I was like, all right, I think I know what to do. And sure enough, things work. So I was like, okay, cool. And then from there, when I got out, because I had been involved with all this fitness since a young kid and then in the military, it seemed like a natural progression to go and, you know, like become a trainer. So I got a crappy certification, you know, <laughs> like most of us do the first time. And then I went on um, to start training in Hillcrest uh, at the powerhouse gym there. And that was very much like, you know, those cu- first couple years were very much like servicing people that just wanted to come in and be buff, you know? So it was a very old school bodybuilding style type of approach, you know, we're doing splits, you know? back and biceps legs and shoulders, chest and trice. You know? That whole thing people get like super stoked about. Um, and we even had a 30-minute session that you could come in and do ask the whole time. <laughs> Boy, how times have changed for me, right? <laughs> so uh, my evolution continued like that. It, it continued on the path of movement, right? So skateboarding, martial arts, boxing, wrestling, all of these things are started to think, they have something in common. What is it? When I found it, I found myself being better at all of them, not just as the one thing. And then I began modern uh, doing contemporary dance, modern dance here in San Diego. Uh, danced professionally for about three years, went to Europe and everything else. So like legit, like was dancing with a company and traveling and everything, getting paid for it. It was really cool. Um, again, I learned, I picked that up a lot quicker than I would if I had just gone off the street and started, I want to dance, Right. And then from there, you know, I started to discover the geniuses of our time. Paul Cech, um, Great Cook, Brett Jones, Pavel, and the list goes on. You know where I'm going with this now, right? And that's where everything just kind of came full circle for me when I started to see that it really is a lot about movement, about movement vocabulary, and that there are some basic things that we can do that can prepare us to better engage in whatever else we may want to do. And that has been the whole basis of my training philosophy ever since.
0: Yeah, I love you sharing that. And I, I know we get along so well, too, because movement is the the glue that holds these things together. And I love how you use movement vocabulary. And a, another previous guest on here, uh, Drew Gallagher, talks a lot about movement literacy and defining movement in those things. And, and we get into that in a, a previous episode. So I'm excited to expand on that a little more and get your take because so much of the fitness industry is, it's just like, it's grinding through it. We we see no pain, no gain. We see dues paid. We see sweat angels. We, we hear <laughs> all the time as they're these badges of honor that if you don't, if you're not doing that day in and day out of the gym, then are you really training hard? Are you bro. Are you even, are you even successful, bro? If you're, if you're not, if you're not doing these things. So we think though, that pushing harder and harder is the answer to more and more success when it comes to fitness. But I think we both argue there's, there's a better way. And I'd I'd like to hear your thoughts on why no pain, no gain has to be banned from a lot of people's vocabulary and why it's such a problem in the fitness industry today.
1: Yeah. You know, from, from our perspective as professionals in the field, it's a matter of professional and personal responsibility, right? People come to us for direction. It's hard to justify anyone in our position prescribing that kind of mentality or promoting it rather Uh, because when you you walk into any gym, right? It's kind of hard now in COVID days, but if you walk into any gym and take a glance, you can see as a trained professional – probably right away, 20 people that you want to go over and start helping with, you know, like, let me fix your farm here. Let me fix your farm there. Like you're breathing properly. There's so much, there's so much, but yet in a lot of ways, there's some very simple fundamental things that anyone can learn. I mean, these are not exclusive things that only professionals do. And so when you're prescribing people to just have this like go, go, go mentality, but they're not really prepared, they don't have the knowledge how to do it well enough what are you doing? What, what, what exactly are you encouraging? To me, it sounds like you're encouraging poor form. You're encouraging, you know, poor technique and not being engaged enough in the moment when what you're doing that can potentially lead to an injury, potentially something that can follow you for life. So if we just take a step back and try to educate people on what, like, and and like I said, this is a lot of these things are not that hard. You take a couple of sessions, or you, you know, we live in an age where there's so much knowledge out there. All you have to do is Google it or go on YouTube and look it up, and you will find some quality stuff out there. You may find some stuff that is a little bit not so great, but you know, there's a lot of people like yourself who have like great education in this field that are putting out free content weekly, you know? And so you can go in and look at what is good technique for this movement or that movement or whatever. And so, avoid. And, and I think it was Greg Cook that said something to the effect of like slapping fitness on top of dysfunction or something like that. So that phrase comes to mind because you're thinking, okay, let's take something like a burpee, which is by its nature is done like repetitively, like ba 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 ba, set after set. And then you add on top of that, let's add some fatigue to that, so that you can further break down your form. And then let's push three times further after you reach that point. At that point, what you're doing is not even really what was intended to be done with the burpee. Uh, The neural loops that you're utilizing, the muscle fibers that you're using potentially are different at that point because, you know, like you fatigue a certain muscle to its max and then some others take over. People don't think of that, right? So if you're supposed to be doing something that is really explosive and you're doing it for too many, way too many reps, then that's what you're encouraging. And to me, that's the mentality, right? It's like, You got to work really hard, but maybe we just have to work smarter because if we lay that groundwork up front, then we're setting ourselves up to do that hard work later. And here's the other thing. Even if we get there, let's say somebody comes in and they're a super good student, super good client. They're like, I'm going to do everything that you tell me. Great. You get them through a little program and they're moving fantastic. There's no pain, full range of motion, you know, just good everything, Right. Balance is good, vision is good, perception is good. And then we get to that point where we can unleash their performance. Rah! Are we gonna continue to do that forever? Good science and good like reason says no. We're gonna undulate that. We're gonna pull back and we're gonna build back up stronger with more skills. Maybe the skills that we build now are perhaps a bit more complex than the ones that we started with like before, right? So let's make an example. Let's say somebody comes in and they're the good student model, they're the good client model, and they learn to swing. And so for three months, man, they groove that thing and it's awesome. It's like just perfection. So Chris, this breathing is sunken just right. When you look at it from a mile away, you know, that is the kettlebell swing, right? Well, what can you do from there? Do more swings? No, pull back, take a couple of weeks off for one, go to the beach, take a couple walks, something, I don't know, go on vacation, Maybe you can do, one of my favorite things to do is, why don't we do a little body weight in between these loaded sessions, right? Take a couple of weeks, maybe three, maybe a whole month. It's just some body weight. Just focus on some body weight. Make sure the patterns are still there. Nothing's changed. And then the next time, instead of working on swings, now we're working on snatches. Now we've made it more complex, right? And we keep doing this over time. Does it have to get boring? I don't think so. You could go on to doing double swings, double snatches, and all kinds of other ballistics and things like that. And furthermore, the work that you've done up to this point can probably prepare you to do like an, a different activity altogether that is not in the context of traditional strength and conditioning protocols, right? Maybe you pick up jujitsu and you find that you feel like a bag of bricks on the on the ground when you're on top of someone, and that is an asset to you. And where did you get that? You got it with kettlebells, right? And so on and so forth. So again, you know, I, I talked about how having all these different modalities, the skateboarding helped the martial arts with the stylistic stylistic form of moving, and then the martial arts helped understand pugilistic science better or boxing better, and then wrestling, you know, there was a this pattern of like using what you learned before and applying it to what you learn next. And so these fitness protocols, they need to be able to do that if they really are going to enhance your life, if they're gonna make you enable. A very able and vibrant human being that can just go and engage in different things whatever you want right maybe maybe it's even like you know just for a short while but that your body you know tissues don't don't change in a day they need a lot long periods of time to adapt to the stresses that we put on them right so you gotta have that discipline to apply what you've learned And then when your body is resilient and it can express all that power, all that movement, that beautiful movement in different forms, then you can have fun with it. But there's going to be a period of adaptation that, you know, it's inevitable, right? We can't rush these things. And there's a little bit of uh, homework on your part uh, as a practitioner, right, Uh, that you have to be willing to put in the work. And the frustrating part is that a lot of people are out there constantly posting things about putting in the work, trust the process, but then they don't follow that mentality either. They don't follow that same advice. They want things to be really quick and they want to, you know, just jump from one thing to the other without allowing the process to truly take its course, you know?
0: Yeah, I think there's so much so much good stuff and I I, I think the discipline's a, a big piece of it. I think people they want more uh, they want more variety in their routines. They they're not they're not set on, on really mastering the basics and the basics and those foundations are what will eventually lead you to really excel at those things that you're trying to excel at anyways. And for, for the average population, for most, um, most guys listening, I'm sure in general, you want to look good. You want to look fairly good with your shirt off. You want to feel good. Like the basics will still help you get there. You don't have to overcomplicate a program or push too fast. Those basics are what is going to allow for, sustainability over time less injury less setback it's we use the same thing of if you dieting is an easy example if you uh, pushing yourself in the gym is the same way if you feel like you have to push yourself day in day out is similar to eating 1200 calories a day for six days out of the week but then you're so hungry on the seventh day that you absolutely stuff your face with the worst of things it's like okay how how much progress are we really making over the course of a week? And I think taking our lens back from, okay, how much better did I get this single week to am I getting better the next month, the next like six months, the next, the next year in those things. And, uh, why, why do you think it's so hard for people to to see that big picture though? And to get so caught up in how many calories did I burn this workout? How hard did I push? What's, what's the, what's the barriers that you see for that?
1: You know, I watch a lot of sports and I, I hear a lot, the, the phrase, um, a prisoner of the moment, (laughs) you know, when, when, when commentators are talking about the performance of an athlete and, you know, oh, LeBron was amazing last night. He's the best in the world. He has a a subpar game, not even a bad game, but a subpar game. And it's like, oh my God, he's declining. He's too old. You know, it's like just yesterday, he was the best in the world. Right. So I think some, something has shifted. I don't know if this has ever been part of the collective mentality of our society, okay? I really don't know. I, I This is something that you and I have, have alluded to before or talked about before, and that is that I have always seen the long-term. I have a hard time not seeing the long-term. <laughs> so I I suppose that as, as a society, we're just really short-term driven, you know? I mean, it's... You, you, you can... See some of that in our social media engagement, right like you know it's every day you have to post that new thing that new thing that new thing that new thing, and so somehow that's permeated our like real and I hate to use that word real lives you know, but you know what I mean like this the the face to face contact and the things that we do and how we do them um there's you know there's a lot of careers out there that emphasize this go 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 too you know it's it's a hectic environment um from training people, you know, high powered, you know, executives that are like CEOs and CFOs, uh, you know, the, the heads of departments and they're responsible for hundreds of people. They're the ones that work out at five in the morning, you know, and they're willing to share oftentimes, you know, how, how busy their lives are, but everything in their lives is so fast. So that I think as a a society, we have accepted that this is, this is the way that it is. Right. But I'll give you another um, like platitude that gets thrown out there on social media all the time. And that is this whole thing about be the change, right? So I, I think that's an integral part of how I see myself as a professional is to really live that life where I'm thinking ahead and making plans for the future instead of just worrying about like, oh, I got to kill myself this week. I got to kill myself in this workout but rather adopt that mentality of like, you know what? That last set didn't feel so great. I'm going to stop there. That's it. Session over. Why, why would I, only if I have this myopic view of things, will I be forced, will I force myself to do that next set, even if that last one didn't feel so great. But if I know that next week I'm going to train again, and the week after that, and the month after that, And, you know, sometimes I am reluctant to share this because it's a little crazy, but my plans for my own programs go to next week, they go to next month, they go to next year. And I'm even thinking about things that I want to do in 10 years. Like I've recently done things that I I started practicing when I was way younger. Like I'm like this close to doing a one arm handstand, like this close. And that's a goal that I've been working on for ages. Now, if I became a specialist and I did nothing but that, could I do it sooner? Sure. Would that be enjoyable to me? No. Will it be healthy? Potentially not. It's a lot of wrist and shoulder injuries that come with those professional hand balancers that can do that. So if I have to take decades to align my tissues so that they can sustain that load without me sacrificing anything else out of my fitness and the quality of my life, I'll do the decades gladly. So I still get to do the trick. And best of all, I get to go through that, that real process. Man, when you're talking about doing something that takes a second, it's like thing. Okay, there it is. Tap the picture and you come down and you're willing to work for it for decades. I think that tells something about the mindset the, the, of the individual, you know, how like committed they can be to a singular goal that they're going a bit roundabout about. And in the meantime, we're working on some things that are more applicable to where I'm at today. I gotta be able to demo in class. So my skills as a kettlebell instructor, they have to be there. You know, my students will model what I do. My body weight stuff, they have to be there, you know. Now, not everyone wants coming to me to do one-handed handstands, you know. But I have quite a few people that want to do pistols. So my pistols, they're they're present, constantly revolving around in the things that I do, right? But you gotta be okay with having some things that are going to take a little bit longer and having some things that are just kind of like simmering. They're not super high intensity, but they keep you going. They keep you healthy. They provide that foundation that you can uh, rely upon to do some of these other fun things in between. Right, And so that's not as fun as killing yourself for the next few days or killing yourself today in this workout, I think. I may, you know, that, that's a really interesting question. And, and I think it's, it's one that pertains to the collective mindset of us as a society now, because when you get somebody in your gym and, and they're ha- or in your facility and they're having a really great time and seeing results, they start to shift their mindset to leaving that last rep in the tank and walking away from that, you know, that workout, if it didn't feel so great, you know, like from that last thing. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's the environment that you're in and we are all in this environment collectively so unless we get around similar mind, mind-like mind people, right, that we can, like, you know, like, if you and I work in the same gym, there will be no, no problem there, right? Because we have the same mentality, right? But if I go and start working out with people that are constantly doing 10,000 snatch or 10,000 swing, you know, uh, challenges, and they are doing them, like, every year, twice a year, then I may be inclined to, you know, feel the pressure to be like, oh, I'm not going to be seen as a good kettlebell instructor if I don't do that, you know, So you feel that pressure, you know, of the group, group pressure, you know, to to engage in these things that deep down inside, if you thought about it as a professional, an educated professional that has gone through several certifications and has read books and has helped people, you know, become better, you will see that that's not the right answer.
0: Yeah, I think those pressures are are dangerous and those can be self-imposed. Those we we talk about there's there's benefits to all the free content out there if we look at something like social media there's a lot to to learn from if you're willing to go down that route and and learn it but the the dangers with that is you see where someone's at on their end of their journey they see someone like you say you snap a picture of your one-handed handstand and it's like, wow, I want that and they don't see the thousands of thousands of thousands of hours that went into doing that and the the a lot less sexy things out there of Mobility work and joint work and those things that are are super important if you if your goal is sustainability, but people wanna wanna skip steps and I think they they want to take the shortcut. But we see it all the time. Then people will make this great progress for a few weeks, sometimes even a few months, people can get away with it and then they crash and injury sets in and an overuse thing. And I think some of this we, we talked talked on some of the mental side of that and the importance of being able to check your ego and and keep the long-term goal in mind. But what about the the knowing progressions and regressions, and knowing when to do these things, I think that's an important overlook thing too. Is that people see we'll, we'll stay with the one uh, single handed handstand push up, for example, or handstand hold, and not no no single arm handstand push ups just yet, but that'll be your your next thing.
1: I know I was going to say wow that would be something else.
0: Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they they see this and they they skip steps and they so what do they start doing? They start kicking their feet up against the wall and doing just straight handstand holds, and they start removing their feet from the wall and they just think they're getting closer, but that's missing a lot of steps. And can you talk about, and whether you these as an example or pistol squat might be another easy example for people to understand, but what are some of the necessary progressions regressions that it relates to physically of getting to getting to goals appropriately?
1: Sure. You know, well, if you, if you have the means to hire a professional, that would be a great thing. And there's a lot of great trainers out there, or, you know, there's a lot of physical therapists out there that do more like, you know, uh, you have a more proactive approach, right? Like it's, it's a very different physical therapist than we had like 20, even 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, and these people can set you on the right path because as we've been alluding to this whole time, there are some basic fundamental things that you can learn and then you start applying. When you do that, they, they're going to start to light up light bulbs for you everywhere or their dots are going to start to connect for you. And if you put it, a little bit of effort into it, you know, which I think everyone should, I mean, look, people go to school and they get degrees and it takes them four years and they're okay with that. And then if they get a master's, that's another three years and they're okay with that. It's their time and it's their money. But somehow it's, you know, there's, it's not okay for them to think about their fitness a little bit, you know, not even a little bit, you know, just think, you know, so when it comes to regressions and progressions, either you hire a, a professional that can help you with that and he can guide you through this right because the most important thing is the assessment right where are you at right now if you have difficulties getting into a rock bottom squat on two legs the pistol is probably not the best option for you (laughs) right so it's really about understanding your limitations when it comes to what are the requirements what is the criteria that this will require for me to do perform in in a in a proficient way so that when I say proficient, what I mean is something that you can do and will not injure you. That's enough proficiency for me to allow someone to do it. You know, if if it's if we're on the path to that, you know, perfect looking pistol, I'm okay, you practicing, you know, that's okay. But if you look like you're like an accident waiting to happen every time you get down, you know, the past 90 degrees, then I'm then I'm gonna be very stern about like we, we gotta stick to this level right here. That's the only thing that I can do in this in this facility. Because again, I, I hold myself responsible for the people that are training with me, that they have the, the, the right mindset, right? When it comes to progression, um, and this is something that I can sometimes perhaps be guilty of, like I, I'm such a purist and I love the basics and the fundamentals so much that sometimes I can hold myself back a little bit, perhaps, you know, but that is a price that I'm willing to pay because I rather earn the side of caution and not get injured and promote that longevity and feel as great as I do at my age now and continue to work on things that are really fun that it, that I think this was going to happen when I was 20. I planned for it, but I really wasn't sure if it would, you know, but I've been able to do that. And a big part of that is being prudent and just being very conservative about what I do. But yes, I think that there's always a right time for you to push yourself really hard. It's usually in a life or matter, life or death situation, <laughs> that's a great time to really like go all out, okay? If you need to run from danger or fight off an animal or something, don't hold anything back. <laughs> and then of course there's the platform, right? Like if you're competing and you've prepared and you've put in the time and you get to that point, then you go all out. In fact, uh, Pavel alluded to this, you know, Joe Rogan asked him, when, when would be a good time to go all out? And it's like, well, when the lifters are on the platform, they should be able to unleash all, their full performance 100%. In training, you should never go past that 90-95, you know? Because it's training. It shouldn't be. The adrenaline, the environment, just all of those things that the, – the, the environment of that competition is going to elevate you a little bit more. Your nervous system will be a little more and more like fired up, and you'll stay safe. This is just one attempt. But if you're consistently doing that – every month at, at your training facility, then what you're doing to yourself is a disfavor, right? But you, you're not really promoting your performance. You're in fact inhibiting it because we have a limited amount of that, like go all out, bottle. And uh, I think people need to understand that. And then when you use it all up, it's gone. And that's it. That's, you see it fi- to happen to fighters all the time when their chin goes, right? You're, you know, you get 10, 12 good UFC fights and you get three knockouts in a row and you're never the same fighter again. There's a little bit of truth to that. Do I know scientifically if that's true? No, I don't. But just from observing fighters throughout the years, not just in MMA, but in boxing, and even some of my friends that I grew up like training with, you know, um, all it takes is one bad injury to set you back, and you'll never be the same. So being conservative and knowing when to say, I need to do a variation that maybe is not as sexy, but it's necessary. I need this. And the thing is this. And I want people to take something away from today. It's like the process of fixing those things, it's not as long and as arduous as you think it is. Oftentimes all it takes is a few good reps and then you're on that path. And then you can get past your limitation in a heartbeat, you know? So it's a good investment that oftentimes it's not even that big of an investment. But for some reason, it's so hard to just take that step back. I think you you know, you know, mentioned the the ego thing. It's like, hey, look, and I, I really want you to focus on that, you know, sumo deadlift instead of the swing because it's, the swing's looking a little you know a little off you know and they don't want to do it but if they did all it might take is maybe a couple of sessions maybe within that session you can cue them on the right thing and then the next set of swings okay go try it again and then it's back like okay good that's what you need to feel you know and for some reason this is so difficult for us to do as, as, as a society and it, i don't understand it but <laughs> it is
0: yeah. I love a lot of things you said there. And I want to, I want to circle back on some things. So the, I think this is interesting because there's, there's so much of this, this back and forth with it of, cause I like what you're saying that by pushing yourself and trying to go hard, you might actually limit your ability to go hard. If you suffer an injury, if you, if you go hard on swings or, or squats and your back flares up, or you go hard on doing a bunch of push-ups or burpees, and your shoulder flares up, you're going to limit your body's ability to want to push hard the next time. Every time that injury or even just pain sets in, then you're actually limiting your potential to push hard because pain, your body's going to say like, whoa, 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 whoa. Last time we did this, this flared up. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the amount. You, we're going to let your nervous system system do. But I think the, the argument to that, that I can see from, from people that, that do have a hard time pulling back on the reins is that they hear being conservative, being smart, and they associate these things with being soft or not being able to, to get the, the mental benefit of training. So where, if you have any thoughts on the first part of, of going hard and then being able to limit yourself because of injury, but also the second piece of that I want to touch on is how do you train how do you train and push yourself mentally with your philosophy? Because a lot of people that's, and I, I think I'm even guilty of that too. The reason I like pushing my training hard is for the mental benefit much more. I, I know there's not physical benefits to doing it, but to get to that discomfort is the only value that I personally see from that. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on some of that.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, the, to me, you know, you really, there, there's an element of courage there, right? That, you know, when, when somebody's willing or not willing, but able to just kind of like you know in sports they talk about the turning on turning on the switch, right? Getting that killer instinct, Michael Jordan style, you know? I'm gonna finish the game, get that last shot, Kobe Bryant, that kind of stuff. Is that really something that we can train? That's I think that's the first question I want to ask. I don't think it is. I think we either born with that or we're not. Okay, and the ones that have it, they know it. You know, like I'm not that competitor. I never was. Um, I was my. My competition days were very much the same way that my training goes. It's consistent grinding, and I just outlast you because you don't have the mental toughness that you're talking about. It's about me being able to say, like, okay, for the next five minutes, I'm going to wrestle with this dude. And my goal is to dominate him down to the ground and pin him without allowing him to do that to me. Now, I can't go into onto that mat and, and somehow rationalize all these things that had to happen in my training all the numerous double legs that i did hundreds of them double leg double leg double leg double leg the conditioning right you you you're on doing your road work and you're thinking about the match you're visualizing the match how it's going to go your way you doing the things that you want to do and then you know maybe not so much but you can have some sessions where you're thinking about what do I, what do I do when plan B goes out the door and I need to go to plans, you know, B and C and D and everything, right? So you want to work through some scenarios. So it's mental work. Now, we were talking about this the other day, that if you are going to, and, and I'm kind of uh, touching on all the different things that I've done, but if you really want to know if you know choreography, right? Something that you're a dance that you're in, let's say you and I did a duet, <laughs> it'll be awesome. Do it. Strength it, And, and then I close my eyes lying down on the floor it's not to be you have to be lying down because when we're standing or sitting we can do things to trigger our memory with our body so you have to be lying down close your eyes and go through the entire dance i gotta be able to see what i do and what you do that is an exercise in concentration it can even be a form of like uh, meditation really in martial arts we are encouraged to do that as well so you sit down on your knees you know very traditional close your eyes and you run the, the kata or the form in your head from beginning to end without moving. That's concentration. That's focus. These are the things that you need for those special moments is concentration. It's focus. It's the ability to shut everything out. And just, this is normal. I've done this a million times. Nothing's different. People are yelling. Lights are you know bright and we're going to lose the game if I don't do it. <laughs> But it's the same thing. So the ability to focus on the task at hand can come from training, right? That can be practiced in training by being consistent, by showing up on every, by even by showing restraint, I think you can build discipline. The discipline that is re- the same discipline that will help you focus on the moment is the same discipline that's required for you to be, you know, have restraint and not go all out all the time and just know that what you're doing now are building blocks that are going to get you there. And there's no way to, like, amass that in some kind of weird bottle and unleash it at that moment. Only time builds that, right? Knowing that you you have that mental discipline to stay in the moment. I think that's it, really, is staying in the moment, being more present, and doing what's what's now. It's practice. It's practice, guys, like Alan Iverson said. <laughs> we're that's all we're doing right now so just do the practice that shows a lot of mental strength to me you know because what you want to do is go hard but what the coach is asking you to do or the trainer or whatever or maybe perhaps even yourself it's be in the moment do what's required of you right in this moment and sometimes most often that's not 100 percent. so having the discipline to do that i think can permeate later on moments that are greater and bigger for you to say okay i'm I'm just going to dominate this dude and not let him do anything to me, you know? And, you know, maybe if something hurts, maybe I pull my groin. Maybe my neck gets a little kinked up in the middle of the – and what do I do? Oh, I did something. I remember a match. I don't remember the opponent, but it was GSP. And he's in the corner, and he tells uh, Faraz's hobby, "Um, I think I pulled my groin. Oh, no, he said, I pulled my groin. And Faraz says, like, focus. This is what champions do. And in that moment, that's a good moment to go through that. But if you're just taking a little stroll through the park and you pull your groin, go back to your car, and go home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I, I didn't. Uh, the way you said it, it was it was different from how I heard it, or at least interpreted. It. And when because I wrestle with that too of the the pushing yourself mentality of trying to build mindset, but it's the consistency and the discipline that builds that same mindset and that mental toughness and resiliency over time of if you're going head to head with someone in a in a single workout, it's like, okay, you might not win that one, but do you have the persistence and the discipline to take them on the next one and the next one and months later, years later, 20 years later, that, that's the kind of discipline. And that's hard to see where people, there's a lot of, a lot of, glory out there there's a lot of herofication of people that can just push it hard in a single single workout or people from a work standpoint that can work 20 hours a day and they don't need sleep in these things but all these things catch up it's it's all these myths that we see that and we're like oh man no i i want that but that stuff isn't isn't sustainable for one and and two doesn't necessarily build mental toughness maybe maybe in the best way that we can now what's if someone is taking that approach or someone's bought in they're like hey yeah no i get it training sustainably having the consistency are there some ways you use with yourself or your clients to boost up that that top end percentage though still in terms of maybe not working to the full 100% but i i would argue that a lot of people they maybe say they're like oh i push that to 90% or 100% and and they were probably at like 80 or so so are, are there are there strategies you use if someone is bought in on on doing the right things for, for long-term, but are there other strategies you use to start to boost that top training level at least?
1: Yeah. If, you know, whenever we're dealing with that, I think taking good measurements, right? Like making good assessments in the beginning when you first intake someone, um, especially if you know that that's their goal, right? If somebody comes to me and they're like, I want to increase my VO2 max so I can like be a better triathlete. You know, that's a very measurable thing that we can do. You know, I mean, I obviously I can't do it in my facility, but I know the protocols that can help with that and they can go get measured somewhere where that you know, they have the equipment for it. Um, so it's just really that initial intake. You need to take a really good history and you need to take the, the right information so that you can measure that later. Did we improve? Right. So, you know, we always in C-Health, we, I mean, I think that now everybody uses this phrase. I don't know that it was a C-Health thing, but we say that if you're not um, assessing, you're guessing. Right. So um, for me, Anyone that comes in with a performance goal specifically, right? Because the underlying principle of my philosophy is that I want to make you perform better because I can make you perform better. You're going to, you know, move better. You're going to feel great. You're going to look pretty good. Um, You're going to stay safe for a long time. But some people come in, they're like, I want to get to that 90, 95% that you were talking about. So measuring upfront, what is the, the baseline that they can have? And then going forward with that, that's an important thing. You know, something that I'm actually going to start working on is my wife is going to become an SFG. So we're going to start training for her. So, you know, uh, she's she's trained with me for years. So, you know, she's no stranger to kettlebell training. She could easily, you know, be an instructor. And, you know, I'm going to send her in like looking awesome. <laughs> but she's going, to, she's going to have to pass that snatch test, right? So we're going to make an assessment and see where she's at with her snatches. And then we're going to make her do it in a way, you know, build it up until her, her, um, certification in a way where she's not sore, her hands are not ripped. It's a very gradual progression. So you can get those hundred snaps with a 16 kilo in five minutes and walk away. No problem. That's, that's my goal for her. Right. So we take whatever her 90, 90% is right now, which we're going to assess as a projection of a much lower percentage, Right. So I'm going to be like, why don't you go for five minutes and try to give me 60 or 50? Go half. How'd I feel? How did her form look throughout that time? What was her tempo throughout the different minutes? Right? And then I take all that information, I put it together and I say, this is how we're going to build you up so that you can finish this five or 105 minutes and walk away 15 seconds uh, early, just in case you get a couple of no counts and you're going to be ready to run a marathon if you want to, you know, that's my goal. So all of those things go into it, right? Like legit measurements, the quality of the movement, its form breaking down, the tempo that they're keeping—all these things can give you valuable information in assessing those things.
0: Yeah, really well said. And I think that's where people get confused is they they think that these things might not apply if they if they're training for performance, but these things do go hand in hand. It's not a matter of of choosing between like, oh, well, I have to either feel good or I can perform good, and and. I talk about this a lot of it's, we, we can have both and uh, it might not be pushing yourself to that hundred percent all the time, but you can over time build that top end percentage up and that top performance up by doing these things that we're mentioning of training consistently, not pushing yourself to failure every workout or regularly to focus on these proper progressions and regressions to focus on making sure you have the basics nailed down and you're focusing on on quality over quantity and, and all these things play a role in in helping your performance as well. So I think the, because would you say this applies even for the person that's like, hey, I'm just trying to look like, I'm trying to look better and I'm trying to get a little stronger and look a little better. I'd, I'd say these principles apply. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. You know, and to add to what you were saying, I think that um, earlier you had mentioned, you know, when, when you're going head to head with another person in class. And I think the real question is, why don't you go head to head with who you were yesterday and who you are today? That is a much better like, like comparison to have because in this whole thing of building building mental toughness and you know having courage and being able to rise up to these occasions where you know we we have to perform at an incredible rate. Um, a big part of that is having the uh, uh, just just the the self respect and the self love to know that the only person you should be competing with is yourself unless you're going to like an actual competition. And in which case, most people that I know, like myself included, would view competition as like an ally, somebody that's going to help you discover something about yourself. That's very much an Eastern martial artsy type of way of looking at it. But you know, that's why fighters embrace in the in the cage after they're done fighting because they appreciate that each one of them brought their absolute best. You know, and even win or lose, you know, you got to appreciate when somebody you know like just you know meets you there in that environment and just you know, and that's fantastic. That's beautiful but that's rare fighting careers are short <laughs> and you know, so are other many other careers. Um, and so being able to accept that the only person that you need to impress and compete with is yourself can go a long ways and giving you the right mindset, the right mentality, the, the just the, the feel good about what you're doing that what you're doing is right, even if it's not at that high percentage all the time. And then on the, on the second block, you, you, know, you were talking about the measurements and how do you go with the progressions and everything. I think it's important to note that you don't have to test yourself out to increase your base, right? So if you start, like, let's say I, you know, the example with my wife, let's say she gets 60 snatches in five minutes when we test her sometime this week. And, you know, when she goes to the cert, she comes back and she's like, I'm like, how was it? She's like, you know, I I didn't even go all out. I just got there in 430. Let's just say. I'm like, wow, that's amazing, right? So the next time I test her, I'm not going to ask her to just go all out. Give me as many as you can in the five minutes. Just go at the same leisurely pace that you did last time and see how many you can get. Maybe she'll get 75 instead of 60. That will tell me and it will tell her that, yeah, her baseline is a lot higher. So we can safely assume that her top end is a lot higher as well. Now that's for us mere mortals. If you're a professional, you know, in, in some activity or sport, then you, you know, you're going to have to test yourself a little bit more often. And, but again, I think that the idea of going to, to that 100% outside of competition is unnecessary and potentially dangerous.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think for runners, listen, this is a great example. And I heard this originally from, I think Mark Sisson might've talked about it, but for runners out there too, if it's, it's the, the tendency, the natural tendency is well, I'm going to run, I'm going to max out my Mile time, or five mile time, or half marathon time. Pick whatever distance you want, and if you truly push to all out, and you're huffing and puffing and dying, and you do that regularly, you might go from say a a seven minute to a six fifty eight to a six fifty six to, and it's it's very it's debatable if you're even actually getting getting physically better versus can I make that mile feel easier? Can I run that mile with a lower heart rate without Breathing through my mouth with doing some of these things, and it's if you go from and, and maybe your first mile with that is eight minutes or nine minutes, but if you can maintain a certain lower heart rate and drop that down to eight minutes, and then eventually seven forty-five and seven thirty and seven, these the progress is actually much can be much more significant, and much you can see a massive improvement in those things. And you can you can apply that use running as an example. You can apply that to weightlifting to all these things, but making the making the, uh, heavyweight feel lighter, even if you're not actually increasing the weight is, is still progress.
1: I agree hundred percent with you on that one. Um, in fact, I was thinking about it as you were talking about it. Like my, my goal oftentimes is to, can I make it feel easier? And to go to your running analogy, like when I was in the army, you know, get, I went in there thinking that I could run, but I really only jogged. Like that's all I did. I jogged. So having to run uh, my, my time was 1156. I had to run under that time in order to max my PD test, get a hundred percent on the score. And, uh, that's, that's a sub one of those miles has to be under six miles <laughs> and the other one has to be six miles. So that's pretty fast. And, um, I did it by the end of basic training and I didn't do it by going all out like that. You know, my drill sergeant, I call it the hop, the Sergeant Hopper protocol. So what you do is you, you run one lab at about like like 90, 85% of what if you could do if it went all out and you time yourself. And then you go, okay, now I'm gonna double that time, run the second lap and my third lap, I'm gonna try to at least match that first run that I had. And you just keep doing that, just keep doing that. And that's all we did. So it never felt like it was this incredible effort. And when I got to basic, I mean, when I got to my, my final PT test in basic, it was still challenging, but it felt easier to run that 11.52, which is what I ran, 11.52 two mile, than the first time when I ran two miles in 14.20, because I have never done that. And, you know, I, I I can pretty safely say that that was pretty much like one of those dumb full out efforts because of the environment, you know, like you're just like getting yelled at by drill sergeants. You're trying to impress people. You don't know what to do. It's your first test. You know, I probably would have ran a better time if I had just calmed myself down. I took off from the gate and I probably just put myself in bad position to finish that race, you know, where later when I, when I had a better sense of my, my tempo, my timing, my pace, and how my body reacted to the two miles, I finished and I felt great. We're celebrating. I maxed it. Yes. Right. So that, that goes to to your point about like, if it feels easier, that's a win guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's so overlooked. That's a, uh... We we think that the numbers have to reflect it and it's it's okay to be goal driven. I'm I'm all about setting goals if 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 you are chasing performance and even if it's not competition, if you're if it's really important to you and you find passion in lifting heavier weights, but make sure you're make sure you're doing it appropriately for one. But it's okay to chase numbers, but it's also okay to not beat yourself up when the numbers don't reflect if you're doing quality training, the numbers might not always reflect that. But if you can lift 315 and make that feel like a 50% effort compared to a 75% effort, you are significantly stronger. And that's, that's yes. one thing to not overlook.
1: Yes. Well, it's like, kind of like when you did the challenge and you did the 20 squats with uh, 320, 315,
0: 315.
1: Okay. Like that. It's gnarly, right? Like, so, but you, you build that up and you know, when you got there, it may have felt, I can't even imagine how that felt. I will never know. I will tell you that right <laughs> now, but, but I will say this. It looked good. Your form didn't like break down at any one of those reps. And when I watched that video, very low key, I'm just like looking, like, come on, Dave. <laughs> and the form was there, right? So those kind of efforts, I'm all for, right? Or if you're gonna, if you're gonna be the type of athlete that wants to engage in that type of like really high level, high percentage um, attempt, then do your mobility. If you get injured, do your rehab. Don't skip it. Get rest, get hydrated, have plenty of love in your life and a balance of friends and activities that you do and, and have a very gradual approach to the way that you do it. And that is probably the safest way that you can be a person that is you know constantly like uh, dipping their toes into that pool of like 90, 90 to 95% and maintain that for a long time because we started this conversation talking a little bit about longevity and how you have to have this long-term outlook. Otherwise, you know, you pay the price for doing this incredible feats of strength. And this is something that we know from professional athletes, their bodies are trashed oftentimes after they retire, or Olympians are notorious for this. And it's like, they're willing to do that, because that's like, that's the ultimate, right? Like, if you are an Olympic champion, that's, and and that, in that period of time, you were the best in the world, you know, ostensibly. So, you know, I mean, I don't know, that's, that's, I guess, a certain mentality that some people have. But if you're just x guy at x crossfit then do you really have to push it that hard what is there to be gained from that you know and linking it back to you know being courageous and having discipline and being a person of integrity right that all these things matter too right because this is about being a better human being not just about you know trashing some records in your frat house when you're in college and then Oh, my baddest bag. I can't help you move. You're a bad friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's something you nailed it. And it's most people you have to take an honest reflection. If, if you can weigh out those risks and rewards and say like, Hey, yes, this is worth it. I'm training for this specific sport, this, this thing, but most people, and I guarantee you, almost all people listening are not in that category. If you take an honest self-reflection being the best at your CrossFit gym or being the best at that stuff is is great. But I would argue there's ways you can probably do that without pushing your body to the way that you might be currently doing it. Because if you break in 10 years and you can't help your friends, if you can't help your family, if you can't be there as the the father and the the brother you need to be, then you're not really, you're not really being courageous. You're not being uh, a hero in those cases, you're, you actually might be sacrificing your long-term ability to, to live out your calling, to be there for your family, to do those things that are the reason most of us are here. And I think that's a hard wake up call for some people to hear though. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent agree.
1: <laughs> yes. You know, you mentioned that, you know, the, the hero thing, and it reminds me of, uh, we can tie this back to how often should you do that that max level thing right and we're talking about you know if you're a competitive person you know there you know how many world championships could you potentially win right in a career if i don't know depends on the sport right but let's focus on the like more like strength sports right so in the movie uh um, in the movie deadpool when colossus tells him oh, five times or something like that and he's like five what he's like be a hero. It's only five times. Like you're not walking around a hero. You don't brush your teeth a hero. You know, you don't like go to the store a hero. Like there's just a few times that you do these incredible things and then that's it. You want to save those efforts for the comp- for the stage, for the competition, for when, you- when you're in these situations that it's really going to mean something. The rest of the time, you don't have to ha- sacrifice the quality of your career. If you are in that competitive nature um, to experience some success, because again, you alluded to What's the quality of life going to look like in a few decades? You know, if we get stretched out even more than that, because I think a lot of people perhaps maybe like twenties, early thirties, so they can't see that far. But what about when you're like 60 or 70 and how, you know, are you going to be able to enjoy your life? Or are you going to be broken? Because if you have people already like ailing and like, oh my God, I can't do anything. And they're not even like 40 yet. Like you got a question like, well, shit, man. Like, what, what are you going to feel like when you're 60? At this rate, unless you change your philosophy, and I should say that it's always there's always time to change. No matter what you've done, you can always repair. Your body's very resilient, so no matter what you've done, you can always make some changes and restructure some tissue and fix some patterns and be a little bit smarter and and you can have a higher quality of life well into you know your late years.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good reminder for people too. Is they they think, well, it's, it might be too late, or or I won't be able to push myself at all if I take these steps back. And there's your body resp- is is amazing at adapting to whatever whatever stimulus you're giving it or not giving it, and it has an incredible way to uh, to heal itself and repair. And there might just be in a lot of people that worry about, well, I, I don't want to lose that that push myself side of things. I enjoy that feeling there. There's just smarter ways to do it too. There's ways that you can use intervals and pick movements that are, are high quality type movements where if you're not a good squatter, but you have a really good hinge pattern, like use that as more of the conditioning stuff, push a sled, get on a salt bike, like do some of these lower skill movements. If you're really looking for that, there are some ways to do that without necessarily doing a, you know, high rep snatch barbell snatch workout which is a very challenging and complex movement
1: yeah yeah you know i never understood the the reasoning behind trying to make that into a conditioning exercise because <laughs> i i enjoy watching the olympics and i love at least seeing this lifters do this incredible feats but yeah that's that's one rep man that's one perfect rep you know and then you know you when start adding volume and fatigue to that you're not only putting yourself at risk, but you're almost like desecrating the movement. <laughs> you're making it look so ugly. It's like a shameful way to, to present this, you know, like this is such a beautiful expression of power and athleticism, you know? Um, let's let it be what it what it was meant to be. Don't, let's not turn it into something else.
0: Yeah. And that gets back to where we started with moving vocabulary and knowing that it's more it's not enough for a barbell snatch to just simply be okay i'm picking it up from the ground and i'm ending up with the bar overhead like there's a lot more to it and being able to find what your what your goal is what the movement is what you're trying to accomplish there's as we've seen a lot of kettlebell swings kettlebell swings can look different person to person and some swings in quotes some swings as actual swings but that's a until we define what that proper movement pattern is, it can can leave a lot of room for misinterpretation of the movement.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, my favorite coach of all time, Brett Jones said, um, anyone can swing a kettlebell, but not everyone can do the kettlebell swing. (laughs) And I think anyone can just throw a bar overhead, not anyone can do the snatch, the barbell snatch, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. I got to get Brett back on here sometime if he's yes,
1: uh, uh, that would be fantastic. I would love to hear him. I know he's been doing a lot of stuff. So um, maybe it's a good time to ask.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Just great stuff today. You know, I always love talking to you. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited for people to hear, hear this one and so much good stuff in it. And I wanna transition here as we work our way to the close. And when I initially approached you with the idea as did with all the guests that I sought out to have on here, I was excited about having you on here. And, uh, but a big thing that while we love the fitness side of things and we can talk health side of things all day long, I also want this to be a, a place for men to be real with each other. And this I think that's such a, when we talk, dangers of social media earlier in the podcast and all these things of appearances is it's easy to see someone like yourself who's so fun to be around and energetic and knowledgeable and passionate and running a successful business and seeing these things and it's easy to get caught comparing comparing to someone else to thinking that oh they have it all together and like I say with all of our guests you you and I both know that's not the case and that couldn't be further from the truth that our journeys have been challenging had ups and downs and all these things so uh, would love if you don't mind being real with the listeners uh, if you can share a, a challenge maybe you're going through as a a man either currently or something you've gone through in the past that's ended up being a real catalyst for your growth as a man yourself.
1: yeah so this is like really personal and I don't think it's something that we got to in the first time that we talked, but I'm really happy to share it because it's important. so um, even though I've been in the fitness industry for about fifteen years I went right into it right after I, I got out of the army in 2004. Um, and I, and I picked up, you know, right with the kettlebells and all that, like I, the timing of it was fantastic. You know, like I started doing things that weren't really popular at the time and I was able to reap some early success with that. And I felt pretty good about myself. And then shortly after that, I started dancing for the company, uh, Mojolay. And, you know, I'm like being asked like, Oh, um, you want to come to Europe with the company? I'm like, are you serious? Like, I, I felt pretty good about myself. Let's just say. Right. And then, um, I decided that the challenge for me that I wanted to fulfill was to get a degree. I wanted to get a degree. Education was very important to my family. It was like put into my head that like, you need to get a degree, you need to get a degree, which I, by the way, I no longer think this is like good advice, but <laughs> but for me it was, you know, for my the, the way that I grew up and where I came from, it, it was good. I needed to do that and I did. And that was very challenging, but that really wasn't the challenge. So you know, once we closed the first iron core about 2011, um, coasted down and I was just about going into my last year of college and school was hard. You know, I was struggling with my four final uh, higher level accounting classes. I had like fraud investigation, advanced accounting, uh, advanced partnership taxation and some other thing, you know? And I was like, tough, get out the economic downturn like hit right about that time. So then I can't find a job and I'm doing all these free internships just to get some experience, do whatever. And it was just a grind, man. Every time one of those like emails came back, or, regret to inform you, we're not going to pursue you anymore as a candidate or something like that. Or sometimes you don't hear at all and you're, you're just calling like, hey, I just want to check on my application or something. Those were trying times. Like I remember specifically one time I was sitting at La stats on El Cajon Boulevard and and I'm having a coffee, probably the last like $3 that I had on my bank account. Um, and, and I'm sitting there and I get this email and I had just been putting all of my energy into hopefully I get this one I really needed this. I, I'm like out of money. I don't know what else to do. And I didn't get it. And I just sat there and I was crying like straight up, like just like, I don't know what to do. Like I just didn't know what to do. And um, this went on for a long time. And eventually, of course, as always, it happens. Things turn around. You get that one big break. And, you know, in my case, in accounting, I never had a big break. I just had breaks. But I did get a job, and then I got a little bit of a better job, and I moved to Texas briefly, and then I came back to San Diego, and eventually I ended up getting enough experience in the field to where now I feel a very competent business owner. So I think the lesson there is that maybe, you know, something is very difficult. School, finishing it was extremely difficult. I didn't feel accomplished or successful. I didn't feel accomplished successful looking for jobs and getting all that that rejection. Tons of it. I think that at one time I was looking through my old emails. I had a folder that I would drop every application that I had put in and it was like over 200 jobs. That's 200 like no's that you have to deal with emotionally and feeling like, but, but if you keep like just trusting in that, like, you know, I put in this work Things will work out, and that's the discipline, right? Because that you don't see the big number right then, you know, there wasn't the big salary or the big offer or anything like that. I had to just keep doing the little fundamentals along the way, very much like we were talking about earlier, and that paid off for me in the long run because I had some awesome jobs. And most importantly, now I feel like there's nothing I don't know about my business. In fact, I've been thinking about doing a course for personal trainers, you know, like how to run your business, here's how to do a forecast, here's how to do your uh, income statement. And your cash flow and all of that stuff. So it was worth it in the end, but it was a trying time.
0: That's so great. I really appreciate you sharing that, man. And that's uh that's tough because for for you that was that situation. For a lot of listeners, they've gone through something similar. I'm sure. I know I have, and have plenty of examples of that. Where the learning that you're gaining during that, though, and I I do believe that uh, it's it's being worked out for our good, and that the learning and the the challenges and those trials are what is going to eventually. Propel you to something that you might not be able to see right now but that you'll be able to use in in positive in some way for for yourself hopefully but more importantly for others
1: yeah absolutely yeah but without a doubt it's important
0: yeah that's so great and i I want to give a, a three three summaries here to take away from at least some of the things that I wrote down, and as always, I did write down way more than three, so I have to try <laughs> I'm with the top three were, and I end up I end up just combining a couple of them into into one point to make it work. I'm not good at really prioritizing down, but uh, one of the first things is so don't let nearsightedness keep you from reaching your long term goals. Uh, it's knowing knowing when to go hard and when to back off is, is super important. It's the competition is against yourself and who you were yesterday, not against someone else. I love I love when you said that. Another thing, second point is invest in your fitness and your health like you do in school and career and finances. I, I loved hearing that. I, I don't think I'd heard it quite like that before. And we're so, we're so willing to throw money and time and these things at, at these things that are important for sure. Don't get us wrong, but our fitness and our health is, is what's going to help us to show up for those around us, uh, especially as we talk sustainability. And then last piece is the mental toughness is not necessarily pushing yourself and going hard every workout, but it's the consistency and the discipline over time. And I think that's something that I hope we reiterate because that's something that is super important. And mental toughness doesn't have to be pushing yourself in isolation, but how do you do that day in, day out for years and years and decades? So love that. Uh, anything you want to add to to those points? I know we talked about a lot of good things, but anything that stands oh, out to man. you?
1: No, you know me. If I start talking again, I'll be another 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think you did a great job. It, it, look, you summarized really
0: well. That was great. <laughs> that was like six points I wrote down that I like pick and, <laughs> pick and choose and combine a couple of them. Like those those go those go hand in hand enough to make it one point. <laughs> I love it. Love yeah, it. I, awesome. w- I won't
1: judge you for that. I think it was wonderful. <laughs> cool.
0: So last thing today, this is our hypothetical scenario we're asking all the guests to come on here. And we're saying that you're leaving your favorite coffee shop and you run, into your younger self of 10 years back so younger you ask current you for some life advice you're on your way to a super important meeting you only have 60 seconds to talk with him yes i'm holding you to 60 seconds here Ask what advice are you giving him and what you I need a cat. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need an actual timer here
1: all right so i think that if i run into my my younger self what i would tell him is to trust his his gut instincts to trust his instincts because um I learned that later about late twenties and early thirties. That's when I really started to get in sync with what that should feel like because I had a friend that passed away and we had a lot of time to talk while, you know, he was, you know, going through the process. He had ALS and he said, if you remember nothing from our conversations, remember to trust your inner voice, your instincts, because they're usually right. And after that, it was hard to ignore that. And then once I started to apply it, my life turned around like big time, like it, the quality of my life and my disposition was completely different. And even though you can think like, well, you were in late 20s, that's not so late. That Let's say it was 27, that's seven years, you know, potentially between 20 and when I came into the army and 20s, or rather 21 and 27, that I could have made different choices, you know? And so I, I think that that's important to, to just trust your instincts, you know, and just recognize that that's a real thing. It's not... It's not some hippie stuff from California guys like you and me.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's great. Awesome advice. And I think that's, I think we can all agree that that's something that we can get away from. So thanks for sharing that. Also, this was awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you being on here. Where, where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you?
1: Yes. So our website is ironcoreway.com. Uh, and there is all the information for our locations, including the one in Oceanside, which we just opened uh, May or June 1st. Um, a very nice facility, about 2,800 square feet, uh, kettlebells, you know, body weight, uh, anyone that follows me on social media will know which by the way, that is, uh, the Instagram feed is Iron Core way. And we just opened one for the facility that's Iron Core ocean side. So that one is more about, you know, showcasing clients and just being a little bit more lighthearted where the iron core way is more about the, the hardcore philosophy behind what we do and how we do it. Um, and then there are YouTube, our YouTube channel is, the iron core way channel. And that one is more educational. So I post a lot of like, you know, technique bits in there, you know, some, I have a pistol tutorial in there. It's like 30 minutes. It covers everything. It's basically like a program It's free. Go, go watch it. (laughs) Things about the dead cleans and snatches and things like that. So probably the best resource that I have so far out there that is completely free that anyone can access. But yeah, those are all of our mediums to reach out into the community.
0: Yeah. I highly recommend people checking those channels out. A lot of good free content there. You take thousands and thousands of hours and dollars worth of investments and package them into easy to easy to understand things. So that's that's awesome you're sharing that. And I appreciate you being on here. I had a, had a lot of fun and excited for people to listen to this one and uh, hopefully it impacts them positively.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. I hope you found today's show valuable and that you have some actionable strategies you can apply to your life today. If this is your first time listening, thanks for being here. The aim of this podcast is to provide a ton of the best possible content to help you grow in your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. These subscriptions and reviews help other like-minded men discover the podcast and take the next step in strengthening their body, their mind, and their purpose. If you're a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for investing in yourself in this show. Please make sure to share this with a friend or post on social media and tag me with your favorite part from today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to join the Men Made For More Facebook group to be a part of a community of like-minded men that are elevating their game and living for more by searching Men Made For More on Facebook. Keep challenging yourself, growing, and know that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone and know that you're made for more. Thanks for listening and see you guys soon.